Hey, this is Keith. Or some actor playing Keith, I'm not really sure anymore. But um, we're coming to the end. The end of my Los Angeles con spree. But before I leave, I have some scores to set and discover a couple truths to be revealed. It's all going to come down to the season finale of Rideshare Episode X. It's going to drop on December 3rd. Now, until then, I want you to catch up by binge listening the first season. And I suggest that you do exactly as I say. Or you're going to miss all the fun. Hey, it's Brent Pope, the host of Breakfast with Brent Pope. You've seen me on some of your favorite TV shows saying things like, give it up, Jimmy. You got to sink this putt to win. On Breakfast with Brent Pope, I sit down with guests from the entertainment world and we do it all over breakfast. Or should I say breakfast? Every week on Breakfast, you get inside Hollywood info and tips, great breakfast wrecks and booty debates. Most of all, you get the most delightful 30 minutes of your week. So dig in. It's Breakfast time. Listen at breakfast.com, Apple Podcasts, or wherever fine podcasts are found. Everybody shout! Come on now, sing out! It's time for the ghoulies get together. They got jokes for everyone. We laugh the songs in fun. So let's go to the ghoulies get together. And welcome back to your favorite G.I. Joe podcast show here in quarantine, living apart, living alone. It's 2020, but we're not talking about G.I. Joe. This is Knowing is Half the Podcast, and I am Ray Stacanis. I'm Robert Clark Chan. I'm Gina Ippolito. And you know that they actually said their names instead of messing around because we have a special <laughs> guest with us this week, and they don't want to show who they really are to him. I could I could tell that Chan was pausing to debate whether or not he wanted to give you shit and then decided against it. Which, I'll be honest, that shows the gravitas of the individual that we have with us today. So I will just introduce him to the show because he's got a lot to say about this particular show. Uh, what we have here is uh, a founding member of the amazing uh, comedy LA-based team, Dr. God. Uh, you might know him as the director of Bloodsucking Bastards, uh, currently working on Helden, which is on the Sci-Fi Channel, as well as like a million other things I'm sure we'll get to talk about. It's Brian James O'Connell here with us for the first time ever on Knowing Us Half the Podcast. Ah, excellent. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you so much, man. I'm not a I'm uh I'm not a founding member of Dr. God, if you can believe it. I'm the newest, freshest member. I'm a freshest member of Dr. God. I am not only not an original member of Dr. God, I'm not even the first O'Connell. There was an oh, Eileen. O- there was an Eileen O'Connell, and not the one you're thinking of. No. Uh, what? Is that yeah, serious? At, at, yeah, there was a uh, there was a time in Los Angeles, especially around the I.O. West, uh, you know, R.I.P. Uh, gig, where there were three Eileen O'Connells working in comedy, improv, and sketch Dang. simultaneously in that community. So not yeah. everyone's favorite uh knowing is half the podcast stepmother, uh Eileen Mary O'Connell. No, that's correct. This is a this is a different Eileen O'Connell. Would you go so far as to say three Eileen's enter, one Eileen leaves? <laughs> that is correct. Uh if it's, you know, uh <laughs> I, let's say that the other two uh talked some mad shit about Space Jam and now they just uh, you know, uh, now they're on milk. Wow. wow. Now they're on now they're on milk cartons. You just showed us why it's important to do your research even if you think you know everything you know about somebody who you've known for a very long time. So uh, you have schooled me and I have deserved it and I thank you. I want these things to be correct. I don't I don't think it's I don't think it's a matter of schooling so much as just continuing the bit. I mean, consider 
considering that your your lovely wife, uh, the very f- she gave me the nickname Billy because she misheard my name and got my information wrong from Jump Street. <laughs> so we are just oh my god. <laughs> It's a family thing. I didn't yeah. yeah, the joke was she, Britain, and Angela, uh, Britain Spellings and Angela Kinsey, all working in the Iowa West office, all independently of each other, misheard my name <laughs> and thought it was Billy and not Brian, and then that's it. But to this day, to this day, all three she of them called me Billy. Billy. Oh, oh she yeah. does say hello, yeah. by the way. When I told her you were going to be oh. on the show. She was very excited and said, of course, so she sends her best. Right back at you. One of the top top 10 improv moments of my life. Billy Oki, our two-person show that we did once and never again. <laughs> right. oh no, it was God. it was perfect. It was great. The uh, we had a She had a great outline. I set her up. She, uh, she bumped. She spiked it. The lights went down, and she was so excited. She, like, jumped in my arms. She was like, <laughs> I haven't been – she's like, I haven't improvised in four years. I can't believe how good that show is. We're never doing this again. And I was like, you got it. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, and oh okay. my goodness. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> well, we're All talking right. about a show today called The Groovy Ghoulies from 1970. Oh, yeah. We're going outside of our comfort zone. We are now officially, this was suggested to us on our Patreon, uh, Knowing Is Half the Podcast, uh, patreon.com slash Knowing Is Half the Podcast. I said, you know, uh, we have the director of Bloodsucking uh, Bastards, fine movie, uh, on the show. Maybe there's a horror adjacent show that would be fun to do with this person. And among the many suggestions, we got a lot of good suggestions. But Groovy also, Ghoulies. We've done a really, lot of them already. So we've done, we've done like half of them. Yeah. I mean, it happens. Yeah. Um, but Groovy Ghoulies is one I'd never heard of before. And Chan immediately upon seeing it was like, oh, that's what we're doing. <laughs> No, so, I, I who, who gave us this suggestion, Ray? I don't have it right in front of me right now. Uh, I'll, I'll <laughs> we will talk <laughs> about that, Brian. Now you uh, you said before before we went on the air, you had some feelings yeah. about uh, uh, this show from your youth, and I would love to hear them. Yeah, I'm torn. Thank you. Uh, it, I'm torn now watching him back again because as as a youth, um, I'm, I'm also a musician. So like anything that had anything to do with comedy or music, I just like I just vacuumed up. Um, and I remember having very fond memories of this show. And then I watched it today and I went, oh, no, the child version of me in my nostalgia <laughs> is a is a liar. I hate this show. <laughs> I I remember watching it uh, like the first four minutes. I was like, this is just I like I've, I think puns are the lowest form of comedy. And I'm watching the show. I'm like, this is like Ronan Martin's laughing, which is like also the laziest. <laughs> that's exactly yep. what I said. Yeah, that's the same note that we all came down with. Yeah. And then I did my research and yeah, the guy that created it hired two writers from laughing to make this show. And I went, Oh, that's why they literally just ripped off themselves. I um, loved it. Give me all them groovy ghoulies. Shoot them straight into my face. I loved oh. it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> the name of this episode is Darlin uh, Darlin and and it has no relation to literally anything that happens in the episode whatsoever that I can at least think of. Uh-huh. And what this episode is for people at home who don't know and I was one of them until today and it is an animated show from the 70s and it is essentially the monsters of think like the monsters kind of a thing you have the Frankenstein the Wolfman, Mummy Dracula, the whole deal. And they live in a house together and perform the TV show Laugh In as monsters. By that the is, way, that is this show. I, I I buy that pitch immediately. Someone pitches <laughs> me that. Some if someone comes to me and says it's like Laugh In or the Monkeys or the Muppet Show, but with classic movie monsters, I am on board. I remained on board. Yeah, it was a spinoff of a spinoff. Yeah. It was the Archie, Archie gang and the Sabrina the Teenage Witch was a spinoff of that. And they thought it was really good. And they wanted to do something with Universal monster movies. So while 
it did not have uh, a part in the Archie comic universe in the comics. It was it was completely tied in to Archie and Sabrina the Teenage Witch. At one point, the uh, which is the one I would like to see Sabrina tricks the Archie gang into being caddies for the Groovy Ghoulies during an <laughs> all night <laughs> golf charity tournament. I was like that one. It. <laughs> shoot into shoot into my veins. I will say this though, one thing. The I will say this. I do remember this uh of why probably why I liked it so much is that even listening back now, the music, the songs, because there's two songs in every episode, one done by the the trio, whatever their their name was, and then one by one of the other mythical side bands, which I'm always yeah. a big fan of that. The rolling headstones. Uh, yeah. Uh, the music is uh, legitimately good. They got good yes. pop music writers to do it. Uh, and it's and, and the music holds up. Even at one point, like, my girlfriend was work- telecommuting today, teleworking, and then she was walking in the background going to get something in the kitchen like 20 minutes after I watched the episode. And she's like, creepy crawler. Uh-huh. It's like, yeah, it's catchy. It's, it's good music. You're right. No. Yeah, okay, I was humming them. On. I was definitely humming them around my apartment. But this and this for me, it because when I was a kid, I used to watch Laughing, obviously reruns and reruns of the Monkees, and this reminded me so much mm-hmm. of the Monkees. It it had like they they basically do a sketch and then do the opening the doors and windows bit that that, that sort of Laughing made famous. <laughs> say these one-line mm-hmm. puns and then it's broken up by yep. music what is not to love well there's a lot not to love i will about say this, this uh, I, tv's gene yeah <laughs> i had a i did say that i will say that i had an epiphany about five minutes in because i was like this is all like you know the 60s it's groovy it's hip everyone's you know smoking weed it's that kind of like hey it's very laughing it's very playboy after dark it's very all those kind of things. And I went, but like, there's no way that anyone thought this was funny. Like it was campy on purpose, but like the actual quality of the comedy. And I went, Oh my God, nothing is an original. This is just the same bullshit anti-comedy that Tim and Eric were doing like 10 years ago (laughs) where everyone was like, Oh, it's, it's not, there's actually not a punchline. If you, if you don't get it, you're not hip or cool. And I was like, Holy fuck. That's what it is. Just every 30 years or so. We do just like bell bottoms. They'll just come back. We're just doing this again. I was like, all right, that feels better. That feels oh, better. Bless it. I, I feel like you're giving this show slightly too much credit. No, uh, no. I would argue that it's just very, very weak puns in lieu of no, trying disagree. hard because they figured that kids were dumb. That's no, I no, come down that's, on here's the thing. Look at some of these actual puns. W- one of the one of the characters' names is Cecil Boo DeMille. Cecil Boo DeMille, that I wrote that down. That's, yes. that's sophisticated yeah. for a little kid. Another character's name is Fauntleroy, and he's dressed up like little Lord Fauntleroy. How many kids do you know that, w- that would get that reference and his just very specific dress? Uh, that's what actually I was impressed with because I thought, okay, well, you know, laughing was whatever like the puns weren't super super sophisticated but they were for adults so i'm sure this is going to be the very very bottom of the barrel in terms of it's for five-year-olds and a lot of the puns were were like kids would not get that at all no it was very very 1930s warner brothers cartoons where you're like these pop culture references of like mammy hello my baby like that i'm like that's for the adults kids don't know what the hell that is you must have been a beautiful baby one was one there one the like one is called bella lagostly like come on that's a solid pun ulysses general ulysses as granite 
was the unrhapsody in blue. That was the mummy who then came undone. No, no, no. Yes, the mummy who gets unwrapped, and as he's playing playing a song, unrhapsody in blue. Come on, that is good. Where they have Napoleon Bonaparte playing a trombone, (laughs) and then he gets blown apart. So they play him. They play the bone apart with with mallets because his bones right. work on Here, here's multiple the thing. levels. As someone who no, it doesn't. <laughs> here's the thing, right? As someone who frequently chats us from week to week about whatever show you're watching that week and how you don't understand it, and can it's we often, please often. explain the plot to you? You should like this. This is stuff that you can understand. <laughs> <laughs> there is no plot. I think that's right. No, here's the deal. This this cartoon committed what I consider to be <laughs> the cardinal cartoon sin. Five seconds in, there's a laugh track to this cartoon, it's, which is one of laugh tracks are the devil to begin with. It's a with. vibe, man. A it's a vibe. Am I supposed to believe there's a live studio cartoon audience no, watching this cartoon it's a vibe. show? There's applause breaks. There's applause breaks after the musical numbers. It's very upsetting. I found the Mickey Mouse. I found the Mickey Mousing. Uh, you know, that's a, like a, you know, for those listening at home, that's like a compo- film composing term where it's like you're really Mickey Mousing in this thing where it's like the music is exactly with the action at all times to let you know how to feel, especially. And then they double down on the sound effects as well because every every microsecond of this show is filled with boing, blam, blam. <laughs> like there's no it's it's even even for me who is usually pretty like you know 90 90 pop culture references going on in my brain at one time even for me i was just like guys you could let some stuff breathe you know, I mean? <laughs> uh, you know what i i loved it at first when i first heard the laugh track it was a little bit strange and then it but then i realized exactly what they were going for which is oh they're supposed to be doing a you know a like a laugh-in type show so of course they have they added in the laugh track i understood it ray i'm gonna go with my original assumption which is you didn't understand it just like you well, didn't, didn't understand, understand. just <laughs> like you didn't understand legion and just like you didn't understand westworld Look, we're, we're adding, i did not understand those shows we're, I we're adding you. groovy ghoulies to the same category of legion and westworld <laughs> no because the thing that drives me crazy here is one you get the laugh track the guy will say the joke and be like I, I don't even know like you know oh you know what was that dumb pun there's but somebody, it was oh. based on a type of show that does that right no, there's the deal so so they'll just like so they'll just do the thing they'll say the joke you'll hear the laugh track pop up you'll hear boing boing like brian said and then you'll cut to two other characters laughing at the joke he just said and then you cut to immediately a witch stirring a pot and, and i'm just like i'm just like give me give me it this thing is i feel assaulted by this show is what i'm trying to say <laughs> i feel i feel violated I feel I feel personally and physically and mentally exhausted. Now you know how it feels to do a show. podcast with you, Ray. I mean, you're probably right. <laughs> I I'll say yeah. this, like like given given the time, this is 1970. It's 1971. It is a direct descendant of laughing. There, it's kind of like how the Flintstones uh, basically ape the honeymooners. Not ba- not basically, brother. <laughs> yeah, say basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I mean, like, uh, like the jokes are jokes that we have heard a million times. And so they're not funny. But uh, for a fucking seven year old, they've had not heard this joke before. And I'm totally fine with them, like making those like real basic jokes. Uh, and it's in a context that like, yeah, like uh, fun monsters and, you know, whatever. That's all fine. Like, 
I'm going to come back in five years. I'm going to come back in five years, and I'm going to be like, "Have you shown it to Egon? Have you shown it to Did he laugh? Did he laugh? And I will absolutely, I will absolutely do that. Yeah, you're talking to a guy that posts one line from a novel every day for the last three years. I'm long. That's what those posts are. Okay. Ray, I've always wondered. Oh, Ray, come on, God, Ray. Google? Well, they're from novels. How am I supposed to know? You, <laughs> one novel. You, it's from one novel. One All novel on the Western Front, man. It's been Catch three off. years, Brian. Finish it, Ray. You could have Googled them at any <laughs> time. Yeah, to just copy and paste it into Thank Google you. and be like, Can't. "What is this from?" Yeah, this is the first time I ever talked about it outline. Like I usually just tell people individually, but. Yes, very early on in 2015, when uh, when he would be ever when he would be interviewed, and they say, "What's your favorite book?" and you can't say the Art of the Deal, and you can't say the Bible, and he'd go, mm, "All Quiet on the Western Front." I went, mm, "I don't believe you." I believe that's the last book that he read when he was in college or whatever military academy it was. So when he was elected, I have been posting one sentence at a time from All Quiet on the Western Front until either he is removed from office or we have all fucking read it. That's the bit. I've been doing that. I've been doing that since he was sworn in January of 2016. It is currently April of 2020. I'm at the point now where Facebook will be like, look back on this memory from three years ago. And it's a line from the book. (laughs) Well, here's the deal then. Now that I understand the bit, because Brian, I mean, I'm sure you've gathered by now. I don't understand a lot. There's a lot that flies by me and uh that was one of them so i'm happy to say i'm now in the club while i understand groovy ghoulies gina i now understand this bit i think we're all better for it i don't think you do understand it ray <laughs> what is there to understand okay let's talk about some of the the gags some of the the bits here because it starts up with their cl- they, they're cleaning the horrible hall that they all live in so they now have replacement stuff and I guess that's sort of a through line of the episode because we have the bit where the, the Dracula dude is sitting on a an inflatable chair and the two mischievous Frankenstein children, Beano and Weenie or whatever the heck their no, names you've are. Already got, you've already gotten all of this wrong. They're How having a party. Are you They're having a Tell party. Me Tell me the bit. <laughs> they deflate the bag of the chair and he flies across the room and I'm supposed to be like, oh shit. I don't know what I'm supposed to do this with that. This is a good bit. And then he says, do you happen to have an inflatable hospital? Come on, Ray. What what happened to you, Ray? What, an inflatable what made hospital? You like That's this? your punchline? What made you like this? Jan, how many times has Gina said, Ray, you've already gotten the whole thing wrong? <laughs> I mean, look, it doesn't happen every episode, every third episode, which is a pretty good ratio, I think. Hey, man, three times out of ten, you're the Hall of Fame, you know? I feel like it's broken up by episodes where Chan says it. This is this is true. This Chan, true. are you on, are you on my side in this? Whose side are you on? You were originally yeah, Chan, supposed you're... to be the 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 tiebreaker. Uh, here's uh, 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 laughing was a big part of my growing up, and like. Uh, uh, Definitely puns are a big thing for me. Like I'm watching this and I can respect the craft. Yes. Thank uh, you. I'm, I did laugh a few times. Uh-huh. Uh, yes. And, and yeah, and there's no story to it. And it's, it's just a, a bunch, a bunch of shit thrown at the wall. And that's all friggin' airplane was. And that's a stone cold classic, baby. Yep. I mean, airplane is great for sure. I, well, I yeah, respectfully, I respectfully disagree that you would put like airplane. It just comes down to its puns. <laughs> airplane, 
Airplane Thank is you. a me and Brian Mandel, my best friend, who's also DP on 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 most of my movies. We grew up together. We lived together. I have, I, I don't know about the rest of you, uh, but I have footage of the first time I ever met my best friend in 1995 because I was shooting a documentary about my roommates, and he walked in. He was like, <laughs> "Oh, who's the guy with the camera?" I was like, "I'm Brian." He was like, "I'm Brian too." Um, <laughs> But we both will fight anyone to the death of airplane, uh, aside from being genius comedy. It's also a film school. It's it, uh, it's a self-contained film school. Every possible trick you need, force perspective, rear projection, it's all there. There is nothing how to fill, how to use background material, how to how to how to fill a frame. There's absolutely yep. nothing about airplane that you you watch and you go, I know how to make movies now. To just say it all comes down to like, all right, boys, let's grab some pictures and they just go to the wall is is, is disrespectful to airplane, may I say. And, and, and not Fair just enough. that, because airplane itself is a send up of the kind of disaster movies of the nineteen seventies. Uh airplane and airplane seventy seven. Which yeah, by the yeah, way, yeah. now that yeah, now that you bring up those movies, I would like to point out to both of you that you can get these from Amazon. They are very easy to find. But George Kennedy wrote two mystery novels. I wish there was fucking fourteen of them. I would. I hope I can curse on this <laughs> website because I'm doing it. Um, <laughs> they are. They are. They are murder mysteries that he wrote, starring himself as George Kennedy, <laughs> and he puts <laughs> other famous people in it. And like, talk, like he, at one point he wrote he, in the first novel, uh, they're on the shelf. I'll grab them here in a second so I can remember the titles. Uh, <laughs> in the first one, he wrote a scene where Francis Ford Coppola comes up to him at a party and says that he was robbed of an Oscar. <laughs> he wrote that scene to himself and they published it and they're actually decent. I wish yeah. there was, I wish there was 20 of them. I would own all of them. They are great. He writes. He writes Jimmy Stewart, and like he writes it in like pigding Jimmy Stewart. Like, uh, 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 George, I didn't mind to uh, 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 get, get your way, but uh, geez, you think you think this murderer's gonna be caught anytime soon? <laughs> Shit, you're not. It's amazing. So he writes himself in as the detective in his own myster- murder mystery. Yes, it's called Murder on Location. The first one takes place at a um, Western that's being shot in uh, uh, just over the Mexican border. And the other one's called Murder on High, where there's a murder on a transatlantic flight back from a mythical uh, 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 Middle Eastern country after they all shot a, uh, a like a vanity movie that was uh, funded by the Sheik and people are being murdered on this cross-country <laughs> flight. That's the one I, where he really gets to do it. Yeah, it's a fucking fantastic. I highly recommend both of them. That's- I thought it was hubris that they made novelizations of murder she wrote, supposedly written by I have the one of character. those too. I have one of those too, yes, brother. They did that with Castle. <laughs> they wrote all the Castle level. novels that allegedly Castle wrote for the show, Nathan Fillion. Oh, that's, and they've published that's brutal. them. That's brutal. <laughs> do they have Nathan Fillion on the back in like an author pose with like his hand on his chin? Honestly, I've never seen the physical copy. I've only talked to people who told me they owned it, and I have to believe the answer is yes. Gina's been awfully quiet. I can only stand to think that she owns all of them. Yeah, yeah. They're they're actually, I make my furniture out of them. The reason why Gina's quiet right now is because she's pondering, why don't I write murder mysteries starring myself and the people in my life? You don't know what I do in my free time. But animation. So you're talking to the characters of <laughs> Powerpuff Girls and whatnot. I've, I've finished two pilots since we've been in quarantine. You don't know what I do. <laughs> I thought you were going to say since we started this episode. 
<laughs> yeah, I am a multitasker. <laughs> now she knows to uh, cover up the sound of the uh, keyboard ticka-taka ticka-taka and just right, <laughs> flips out. It is the most upsetting thing in the world. Guys at home, you won't know about this, but these mics pick up everything. So Gina will be typing while we're recording, and in my headset will be a Brazilian drum circle. (laughs) I'm also just a very loud, strong typist. As am I. I learned how to type in high school. I learned how to type in high school where I took typing one and typing two. And when you when you learn on those old fashioned typewriters where you have to pound the keys, that never goes away. Like I it could be a, it could be an Air Mac Pro. I believe it. I believe it. <laughs> so we'll talk for a second about the songs because we've talked about the comedy. We've talked a little bit about the songs. The first one is called Yahoo, it's a witch's brew, which sounds like a monkey it. song. It sounds yes. like a monkey song. Yes. Uh, I'm not a big fan of monkey songs, I'll be honest. But I mean, they're fine. They're they're not objectionable. Uh, the only thing objectionable I found is that they kept re- reusing the same five animations over and over again for this four-minute music video. Uh, that rubbed me a little the wrong way. But uh, besides that, the song is fine. The song is fine. Oh, you are crazy. I bet if you played this for Luna, she would be grooving. Should be grooving to Yahoo. It's the, witch the music is very good. Uh, yeah. Can we hear a little bit, Chan? Can we hear a little bit of this great song? I mean, that's a solid chorus. It's, it's good. And also, it's it's funny when they're putting all the different, like, all the different ingredients in there. There's, like, a bray of a donkey that they put in. It's it's very... It's, Height of a it, small giraffe. Yeah, come on. It's it's entertaining. It's got, it's got sort of a Scooby-Doo theme song vibe to it, but... With it really does. That's the thing it reminds me of. I actually wrote down here. It's, it very much is reminiscent of the Scooby-Doo theme song. But as an extended, extended LP, uh, as a parent, uh, there is good music in children's cartoons and there is bad music and the bad music will kill you dead. (laughs) But there's still a lot of real good stuff out there that's just that kind of gets lost because, you know, like you really don't expect it to happen. Um, So, you know. Yeah, it's pretty great when you you get like a decent song, like a good songwriter and a good production. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's legitimately well done, well produced. Nineteen uh, sixties psychedelia rave up, which is kind of the pre psychedelia uh, like Yardbirds kind of stuff. It sounds exactly like the Archies, which is the tie in that they wanted to do. I don't know who I'm supposed to be more impressed with though: the songwriter, the editor, or the animator. Because one of those people had to say, okay, are we matching, are we taking the wolf character and making him match with the Yahoo and using that footage over and over again for the chorus? Yep. Because he was like, hey, what, what does a wolf say? Wow. Yeah. A wolf says, ooh. They're like, well, maybe we'll, we'll say Yahoo. And like, who were they, was the composer writing to the animation that was in front of them? Or did the editor have to take both of these separate things together and go like, I'll, I'll fix it somehow. <laughs> I'll fix it in post. Well, you got to. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if the song was written specifically for this show or if it's just something that they obtained oh, the rights was. to. You feel like it was no, written for the show? Because it is the, it is thematic. Yeah. 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 And, and you're right, though. To, to be fair, the, the, the knowledge of somebody who says, like, Yahoo, how can we possibly... Because they, they did their best to try to, like, animate people singing the lyrics to the song. And it's, yeah, it's yeah, that I same mean, shot they, of the wolf over and over and over again. <laughs> they took the block animation that Hanna-Barbera did to sort of uh that's why they were able to punch out all those things like you know 
you know, Snaggletooth and Deputy Dog and all that. But like these guys took that that Hanna Barbera lazy style and said, "How can we be lazier?" And, and, they, and they, they succeeded. They succeeded very well. I was going to say, I, I found the visuals entertaining when they're measuring a giraffe and when they're putting a donkey over the over the cauldron and having him bray into it and all the other things that they're doing. I was like, all right, this is this is keeping my my attention visually as well as orally. No, that's oh, true. I think the the only two times I ever bumped on anything were as far as, far as when it came to the animation or the stuff that uh, that Gina is rightfully pointing out as a positive. Uh, the one where I was like early on in the episode, I was like, "Why does the witch live inside the drum and then take the drum stick away from him and start beating him with it?" Like, "Hey, don't beat on this <laughs> drum. I live in here." And I'm like, "That doesn't make sense. Witches don't live in drums. What the fuck are you talking about?" Uh, and then the other one later on, the whole the whole side. Side note of like, why is Frankenstein a Superman esque character okay, who also yeah. happens to suck at it, even when he's not getting beat? Like he beats the guy, the uh, the uh, alliteration monster of the uh, monstrous mole who munches on mushrooms. Uh, he beats him and then flies right into a fucking wall. I'm like, what? Why? What? Why are you stupid? Why does Superman have to be an idiot? Those are the uh, only two things where I bumped on. Uh, two things. One, it was a cauldron that got turned into a drum, and uh-huh. she's uh, uh, cooking in the cauldron earlier. So my thing, Closer. I guess, she's just like, she's like really getting into the cooking of the cauldron, and maybe it's one of those uh, TARDIS type ta- cauldrons where she's just going in, and it's much bigger on the inside. Mm-hmm. Oh man, we're through the looking glass here for you know, <laughs> this this, mat, this crossover of like you know Doctor Who God. and the Groovy Ghoulies. <laughs> that I would watch the shit out of that. What's I that know, about? I'm just uh, reading from your dream journal now is all we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> this is around the third doctor, right? So Pertwee could be in there maybe? Uh, 1970? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's it was right on the cusp of, of yeah, of going from, uh, yeah. Pertwee to Baker? To Baker? Yeah, yeah. Baker's the only. Yeah. Baker's the one Pertwee I grew up Baker. with. And that's the only one I know, so. Yeah. And I think, also I, I love Christopher Axelrod, so. Yeah, I think uh, seventy great. was was yeah. You could get maybe a little bit of Pertwee in there, and then some Baker. And then uh, for the uh, for the Frankenstein Superman, like it's just proto uh, greatest American hero, you know. Uh huh. Uh huh. But 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 greatest American hero didn't like. All right, thank you very much, citizen. I'm gonna fly into this brick wall. <laughs> it's clear, like. Not only is it a brick wall, it's a it's a wall to the house that they all live yeah. in. So it's it not a house snuck up on him. No, see, I appreciated <laughs> the fact that they were that they were trying to do something different with each of these characters because they could have gone totally totally normal, like exactly what you expected. I appreciate the fact that they gave them each an extra layer. That the that the wolf man is just a sort of freewheeling hippie. And that that, that Frankenstein's weird. monster is sort of this this guy who wishes he could be a hero. So he imagines himself as this hero and does it, but he's shitty at it. But he's shitty at it, but he thinks he's good at it because he likes being hit on the head and he likes being struck by lightning. See what I what I really what I actually appreciated was that when Frankenstein becomes super ghoul with an SG on his chest. Frankenstein's uh, monster he- would go on. Yeah. No, no, he's, he is Frankenstein. Thank you, Gina. Yeah, I believe they called him that. So, like, you don't get to tell him what he names himself, Gina. This is the one time I'm going to be right, Gina, and you have to live with it. <laughs> but no, what I appreciated is when he became the superhero character, he maintained the bizarre, like, 
Frankenstein's speech pattern and slowness of that, uh, uh, the ponderousness of the character. Meanwhile, he has super strength, speed, and the ability to fly, but he's still talking very slowly. And yeah. I appreciated that about it. Like they didn't go whole hog. They kept him core to the character. Yeah. I also do enjoy speaking of the voices that it's basically just two guys who do 90% of those voices. Uh, oh, and then like, yeah. And Larry then I think Storch. I remember when I looked at Wikipedia, I was like, I was like, Oh shit, it's Larry Storch. And then immediately after that, I went, yeah. Oh, why do I know that? Why do I know who Larry Storch is? This is how my, <laughs> this is how my sad brain works. Couldn't tell you the name of my TBS executive, but I can. Uh, well, he was uh, F Troop, right? That's where that's where I remember. <laughs> yeah, F Troop is his, is his big thing. But like he he um, he got he got his start way back when, where it's like if you were a stand, unlike the '80s or '90s, when you're a stand up, you didn't immediately get your own show. They just put you on every show on the air. So that was his thing. Like he was, he guest starred on everything before he finally got uh, the role on F Troop. And it's, in a way, it kind of sounds better. <laughs> I don't know. You're not asked to carry the load. You can just come in and just work everywhere. That sounds pretty good. Oh, dude. Oh, hell yeah. And then you think about the residuals that came along with that. It's I would much rather do something like that than than get you know three three seasons or whatever of Rodney, the Rodney Carrington stand up who I've never heard and have never watched a single frame of that. But I'm like, Oh, that's right. That was back in the day where like, if you were a stand up after Seinfeld, you're like, yeah, here's, here's an overall deal <laughs> at NBC. We're going to like, we're going to take your stand up and, and cram it into a sitcom somehow. And we were all like, that's crazy. But then we were like, Nope. 10 years ago, we were talking about robot girls, a, a small wonder. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. They'll, they'll make a sitcom out of anything. I'm for it. You know, the more I think about it, the I more I think like- you're right, Gina. This show's not that bad. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. This show's not that bad. In the 90s, kind of after Seinfeld, in the 90s and early aughts, though, they got super kind of lazy with it. And they were just like, I don't know. It's a dude with a family. There's your story. Go get. Whereas before you yeah. got like, you know, Robin Williams and you got Mork and Mindy, you know, oh, we're going to base it on your stand up and you're an alien living with Jonathan Winters. Like, like right. to me, yeah. that's like so much better to work with. I don't know that. Jonathan Winters was a late season addition to Morgan Mindy. Yeah, he was Excuse a me, Dina. Yeah, See, yeah, like a late, late I'm back series. to not yeah, knowing like, anything again. Don't you disrespect Pam Dauber like that. Not in my house. Yeah, yeah. Who, how? Wait, who's disrespecting Pam Dauber? How dare you? <laughs> yeah. Big Daub fan yeah. here. I'm a big Daub head. But it, just, but it just keeps going and going like, uh, where they keep doing this stuff. Like, quick side note. Like, I got, I got my SAG card by being in a movie in like 90. 90- Eight, I think, called The Girls' Room and starred Will Wheaton, who was very delightful, Gary Wolf, who was also very delightful, and Soleil Moonfry, who was a peach of a human being. But you were the one the first thing that they told you is like, do not call her punky. She does not answer to punky. She hates it. Don't don't do it. And I was like, all right. And then today I read that they are rebooting Punky Brewster, where she is playing a uh a divorced mother of three, and it's about how she's like trying to raise kids and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, so everything everything is gonna come back around again. It's just that. Patton Oswald bit of like there's just a white wall in the distance and everyone goes what's that and he was like oh that's next Tuesday at four o'clock where we've we've reused everything there's no new content we've just filmed <laughs> everything I mean it's all true I mean, look at all a lot of the like a lot of the cartoons coming out they're ringing back Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles again for like the fourth fifth time oh, yeah they reboot that every few years yeah I mean yeah. Uh, look uh, at I'm our goddamn podcast 
<laughs> exactly. <laughs> to be fair, it's not like they haven't rebooted G.I. Joe more than twice since we've started this yeah. podcast. <laughs> Here, maybe can I ask you guys this? Because this is a question that's been bugging me forever. I'm also a huge G.I. Joe guy as well. G.I. Joe and Transformers. You know, we grew up on that kind of stuff, especially the cartoons. Um, I can talk about Serpento all day. Whoever runs that <laughs> Twitter account is incredible. Um, because he's just doing Trump talk- stuff, but as Ser- Serpentor. You're talking to him. Yeah, you're talking yeah, to him. Right? Oh, no, shit, that's you? <laughs> no, it's Ray. Oh, that's oh, crazy good. I'll take credit. Yeah. That's, oh, man. Yeah. I mean, oh, that's brilliant. I've been following on Twitter. I had no idea that was you. That's amazing. <laughs> oh, oh, that's awesome. I don't know what you're talking about. It's it's the real president, Serpentor, <laughs> in the alternate universe, yeah. who became president of the United States. Thank you. Dude, I'll take it. I'll take it. Um, I mean, he was put together by all the greatest heroes, you know, Napoleon, Caesar, all of them. Here's my question. You guys are the experts for sure. If they're twins, I can see why you would need to have a scar to tell them both apart. But why do they have both? Why do they both have scars on their faces? That seems completely unnecessary. Uh, I will answer that question for you. The answer is to get chicks. Say no more. Put a period in it. Accepted. Accepted. No, wait a minute. Chicks, because chicks, I will answer this. Love it. BOC, you've got it incorrect here. And this is the one time I actually have knowledge. So I'm going to enjoy my moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Tomax does not have a scar, but Zaymot does have a scar. You, they, they, they dress in mirrored alternate uniforms that are the same, but like flipped, like an Instagram picture. And Zaymot is the one with a scar, but Tomax has no scar. That is how you allegedly I, tell them apart. Oh, I, I could have sworn to God when I had mine, because I had all the action figures and all that, and the Dreadnoughts were uh, definitely my faves. Um, I, did, I, I thought for sure that they both had scars. My bad. No, all right. It's, it's it's very possible you got a mix-up pack and you got two Zaymots in there and just didn't realize it. <laughs> well, now, well, now my childhood is ruined. And also, if I had if I had twins, they that would be their names. In fact, I judge people who have twins that don't name them Tomax and Zaymot. Well, I'm I'm also that asshole that like corrects people. I'm like, uh, the toy line is actually Masters of the Universe. He Man was not a thing until the television show. <laughs> <laughs> if you look, it clearly states on all the original on all the original packaging that. It's called the Masters of the Universe theories. I, I so famously know so little about so little that uh, you, you hit me with the one GI Joe reference that I know I'm going to get. I have to I have to puff my chest out a little. You bit. absolutely should. I mean, I've I've told anyone that will listen. There's a there's a early on somewhere around. It's either like I think it starts like issue 36. There is a uh, in the, the original GI Joe comics where Quick Kick, Stalker, Snowjob, and Outback all go undercover into a fake like Latvia type of country to try and get out a guy who's been kidnapped. But it's very clear that they've been double cross and that guy was not uh he wasn't an analyst he was definitely a cia guy and they all have to go to a fucking gulag and then outback is ordered by stalker to like to disappear through the sewers to get out the real story but the rest of the joes are like shunning him because they're like you should have stayed you you, you ran you're a coward. You ran. You, you betrayed your brothers. And then uh, they've been told not to go in and go after them. So uh, like uh, Snake Eyes and then like a couple of the others like fake their deaths. And it leads to what is hands down in all of media, comic books, movies, whatever you want to say. It, my favorite line of all time is that they call 
they call uh, Joe headquarters back in America to tell them that Snake Eyes is dead because a, he was helping a blind man, a black blind man, across the field. And he stepped on a landmine, and uh, Storm Shadow, who is a good guy at this point, just uh, puts his hand out and asks for the phone to say, I'm sorry, can I have the phone? And Ninja simply does not step on a landmine. And I'm like, that's the coolest thing I've ever heard. That's the greatest line of dialogue. <laughs> That's the greatest line of dialogue in all of media because, yes, he was just simply like, I'm sorry. Oh, and Ninja simply does not step on a landmine. And he just picks up the phone. Was it an old black man? Yes. Did he have a... Did he have a scar on the back of his hand? Yeah, okay. That's the blind master. That's from uh, me and Snake Eyes' dojo. Uh, I'll be going now. Click. <laughs> so that is my... Uh, that's Well, Larry Hama knew what he yeah, was doing. No, that's my G.I. Jr. And then, like, and then like three episodes later, they're all in fucking space. Like three issues later. Like that, 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 that I want to make a movie of that. So at one point, they shoot themselves out of a cannon because a circus clown got involved uh, whose wife died in the gulag. <laughs> Like it's incredible. It's incredible. It's six. It's six issues, yeah. and look it up because man, it is worth it. It is a great story. People, and to be fair, this is actually one of the things I've been meaning to yeah. do is go back and just acquire because I've got a handful of the old comics uh, ranging between say like I think my earliest one is like twenty four going all the way into like the seventies. So somewhere in the middle, right there, I've got scattered issues. I'd like to go back and through the power of the internet collect all of the original like w- top one to 100 gi joe comics and then just do like a massive read through to enjoy exactly the thing that you're talking yes about. i'm currently looking at uh i literally opened the desk drawer in front of me because i just remember that uh i used to go to for camp improv utopia up in uh in cambria there's in the, the little tiny village of cambria there's a great like uh knickknack you know store it has like all that kind of stuff but there's one area it's like three levels of big basement and stuff. And there's one level where there's just people who have just turned in comics. So I have, I have two GI Joe comics, episode 70, uh, issue 70 and issue 96, um, uh, April and January respectively, uh, both for a dollar, a dollar 25 in Canada. And, uh, and like the, the issue 96 is a, uh, GI Joe real American hero, the Snake Eyes trilogy, Part Three: No Surrender, and I bought it for two dollars because they had no idea what the hell they had. <laughs> so, I mean, it's in plastic on whiteboard and everything. Yeah, I got two of those and two Swamp Things. Oh, yeah. So I was like, very sexy. Yeah, I, very very sexy. Yes, we're big fans of GI Joe here. Like, uh, we we actually uh, just last week, uh-huh, we uh, we just did the Deke episodes. Do you have any memories of uh, the Deke cartoon series that they did in the nineties with GI Joe? Chan Chan mentioned that, but uh, refresh my memory of uh, DIC Deke. What is that? Deke. Uh, they're a very cheap uh, Canadian house that uh, that didn't care about doing a good job. So they essentially uh, used a whole bunch of new characters, brought back only like Cobra Commander Chris Lada's voice, and dumbed everything down from being like you know a ten to twelve year old level, which is the original Sunbow, to more like a six or seven year old like uh, Groovy Ghoulies. So you basically have the oh. Groovy Ghoulies. Of GI Joe going on at this point. That's accurate. Uh, you shut your uh, mouth, Ray. <laughs> yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, I don't think. I don't think I ever watched those either originally when they came out, and they only vaguely sound familiar now. Like, I mean, like my favorite. G- like, honestly, my aside from that one line from Storm Shadow, my favorite. Uh, my favorite GI Joe bit is actually not canon. It's um, uh, McSweeney's article that Paul Shear wrote, like I don't know, fifteen years ago. It's the diary of a uh, of a Cobra Storm uh, foot soldier, 
and it's a guy that just works <laughs> security at at the uh, at the terradrome. And oh, so it's like, and so like, it's so it's like, dear diary, like whatever the date is. He's just like, all right, the Joes came in and like, oh, we almost got them, but they licked us today. Well, tomorrow's another day. We're gonna. It's all these different things of like laying out. Like, of course, they can't shoot straight. I'm like, I feel like something wrong with. I feel like there's something wrong with my laser gun. Uh, like, you know, I, I order, you know, major blood's always been cool to me, but the Baroness, like, does she like me? Does she not like, me? it's like an office comedy, but with terror. <laughs> and my favorite is in, in the middle of this long ass article. Cause you know, of course, Mick Sweeney's can't go under 5,000 words. Um, and in the middle of this, there's one entry just right in the middle. That is just a one sentence entry into this storm, uh, this Cobra foot soldiers, uh, diary, which is there sure seems to be a lot of ninjas on the payroll lately. And then boom, <laughs> it just ends into onto the next. <laughs> one. Oh it's, my God. How, so, am I, how am I not aware of this bit? Yeah, That's amazing. we should it's watch so, this. We should watch this. Uh, no, it, yeah, it's an article. He just wrote it. It's, uh, it's, it's very, very funny. Uh, it looks like, yeah, it's a diary of a Cobra, uh, foot soldier. And it was, and it made me laugh really hard because it was that later nineties, like late eighties, early nineties, where it's just like, all they did were just adding ninjas. Just, they just kept (laughs) adding more and more ninjas. Like once Jinx, once Jinx was in there, you're like, all right, I think we're at the, I think we're at maximum ninja. And they're like, nope, here's the red clan. Here's (laughs) all these more ninjas are coming. It's the same way I felt when I watched episode one of a season one of uh, daredevil at the end. I was like, there sure seems to be a lot of ninjas lately. (laughs) (laughs) I think I, I think I even tweeted that. I was just like, I I feel like there is something. There's too many ninjas. Daredevil as a nine-year-old, there is literally not enough ninjas in the world. (laughs) You could keep piling them on. I do not give a crap. I think you may have responded to that on Twitter and said that exact thing. (laughs) That sounds like me. That sounds like something I would do. Well, let's let's pull it back around to Groovy Ghoulies to to wrap it up at least because we do have a second song oh, that we have to address the Creeper Crawler oh, yeah, sure. song which I liked considerably oh. less than the uh, the other the Yahoo It's what? a Witch's song guys You're you guys crazy. all seem to love this song I found it a little monotonous I did not care for it I thought it was very well uh, produced but I would love to hear a little bit of it again maybe I'll change my mind uh, oh come on that whole thing he's got eyes on the back of his head and oh yeah, Ray weird. you're you hate joy. I hear you want to, I understand, they come out now and then. Creeper crawler, creeper crawler, did you ever see such a sight? Creeper crawler, creeper crawler, I wonder if you might. I mean, that's basically uh, uh, Alice Cooper's career right there. Yeah, yeah, that's like the song that like <laughs> when you're like in middle school, your friend's dad plays to prove that he's cool, and you're just like, I don't know, dude, that's not hitting for me. It's definitely a B side. It's a definitely a B side for sure. The only thing that hit me there was like, I a couple of things like I don't like even even watching stuff like this, which is like, all right, it's a, from a different era, it's dated. Whenever I see people or characters that are ostensibly supposed to be friends and they're beating each other over the heads for no reason like that. I don't like that. I'm like, Hmm, you should be friends. That's how you're, that's how you're asking me to agree. I did like the fact that they all were graves, but that they had, uh, uh, uh wooden arms, like tree branch arms. I thought that was sort of weirdly consistent. Like I had like it a, real a ghost little, and goblins kind of feel to it. And then early on, I feel like Gina has the answer for this. Gina, <laughs> early on, uh-huh. at one point, they cut to a close-up of the creepy crawler, and he has this sort of weird, like, 
Like he's kind of like, and now I'm cool. And I look like one of the Beatles, like his hair changes. Do you know what I'm talking oh, about? When they say Why? like, he sometimes looks like your uncle. Yeah. Yeah. Like a specific what person. And fuck? I have no idea who that person was. Yeah. It, you know what? It, it reminded me what of, is that? Uh, uh, oh, it reminded me of this thing that they used to do in Looney Tunes cartoons. <laughs> Uh, and I can't, I can't remember who they say. Cause they say like, he, he looks like your uncle something. And like I remember Jerry thinking, or something. Yeah. And I was like, I don't get that reference. It, yeah. I was like, it's just slightly been before our time. And maybe like a little bit too, was, too was, it's like too thin of a reference. I thought it was supposed to be like, like a Bing was, Crosby thing. Uh, because I thought he, he looked like Charles of, Bronson. Okay, okay, because because to me he looked like when in like Looney Tunes when people like morph their faces to look like Bing Crosby, which is such a weird yes. specific Looney Tunes yes. reference. That I I thought that it was I thought that it was a Bing Crosby thing, but but I, but the name didn't match up. But then I was like, oh, this reminds me of this very specific animation thing they did in Looney Tunes. So they're clearly mimicking it. Yeah, but like see, when when Looney Tunes did it, that's they when Looney Tunes did it, they did it with characters like uh, Bing Crosby and and like what's his name that you know Al Jolson, people that were big at the time. It's uh, yeah yeah I don't like. That's why I was like, who 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 was like a big deal for like four months during when they animated this? <laughs> I mean, and they're like, we, this guy, this guy's gonna be a star forever. We clearly need to look it up on the Groovy Ghoulies wiki, okay, which I'm sure on. someone meticulously maintains. Hold on, because uh, the actual line in the song is. Uncle Fred, Fred, Fred Astaire, Frederick, Frederick Altamont Cornwall's Twistleton, fifth Earl of Ickenham, commonly known as Uncle Fred, is a fictional character who appears in comedic short stories and novels written by P.G. Woodhouse in 19, between 1935 and 1961. I love everything about that. I what? Uh, uh, he's a tall, uh, slim, distinguished-looking man with a jaunty mustache and an alert and enterprising eye. Um. Why do you it have this like- ready to go, Chan? Are you a maniac? No, no. He's our he's our tech whiz. He was clearly looking it up while we were discussing it. Google, man. You just had that. You were like right out the holster. Chan's been you waiting right out the holster with that. Like oh. 50 minutes. Uh, no, it, Jesus. It looks like uh, oh the character cropped up a lot uh, in the 50s and 60s. Like a, a characters on the Philco Television Playhouse, uh, Four Star Playhouse, that kind of thing. Uh, and also shows up in like radio and stuff like that. So I think it might have been a yeah, a contemporary reference that people just got. And like, I don't know anything. More I, than I that. love it. I love it. I get pushback from people who are like people are like, uh, I don't know. Our, our audience is really like, you know, because like, I'm writing on this thing right now. They're like, oh, our audience is really like Generation Z. Like, I don't think they'll know. I don't think they'll get the Jacob's Ladder reference. I'm like, well, it's not a fucking Uncle Fred reference. And I'm going to make <laughs> them look that up. I appreciate I appreciate a good obscure reference in a kid's cartoon song. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Also, sometimes it could just be an inside joke, man. I'm like, if you're telling me no one can recognize Jacob's Ladder, cool. I'm just going to take the name off that script, put my own name on it, and I will sell you <laughs> Jacob's Ladder. But I did. Great. I liked the whole sequence when he when he 
Yeah, I just liked this sequence of of I thought he was cute, but he was creepy and and you know, watching him sort of dance around and move around and jiggle around. I was I totally would have been transfixed by this if I was a kid. I would have stared yeah, at good. it yeah. uh, drooling on myself for sure. <laughs> so basically exactly what you do now? Yeah, nothing's changed, thankfully. <laughs> uh, yeah, they went a little weird uh, like cuz even when Cham was playing that back and that was like the second or the third time I've heard it now today, I'm just like, yeah, they went really crazy with like the fuzz pedal on the vocals. They're like, yeah, make it more distorted. No more. Where the kids can't barely even tell like I if if you had told me it was like, yeah, it says Uncle Frank and not Uncle Fred or whatever, I was like, I'd be like, oh, okay, because it's so it the the lyrics are so hard to decipher, specifically in that first verse. Like everyone gets creepy crawlers, but like the verses, I'm like, what are you talking about, you maniacs? <laughs> <laughs> I, and I'm I'm not kidding you. I so they remastered this. That's why it looked. That's why it looked much better than the normal cartoon. Why? links that we get and i would totally i would totally watch the rest of this this is a show i would legitimately watch what i appreciate it is I, that this video has been on youtube for a while they remastered it like you said and i don't think it's hit four digit views yet i mean i'm sure I, they, they I, remastered it for dvd purposes not for views on youtube you philistine if i walked into the room and someone was watching this i would not walk out of the room <laughs> But if they like started another one, I'd be like, okay, maybe they need it for like a project. Like someone's like, hey, we have this, we have this IP. Could you maybe like update this or something? Maybe like, can you do a Groovy Ghoulies TikTok for us? And by the third one, I'd be like, do you do you enjoy this legitimately? Are you binging this? Wait, is this why I never get second dates? Because I forced them to binge watch the DVD of Groovy Ghoulies? Yes. Can I say right now? In the- the chat that we have between the three of us that's constantly ongoing for years now um gina said hey instead of doing deke gi joe the rest of the way let's turn our show into a groovy ghoulies podcast <laughs> so brian i'd like to officially like extend an invitation would you like to watch every episode of groovy ghoulies and talk about it i didn't look to be perfectly honest when i watched it and then I went to the Wikipedia search, you know, because I like to I like to be a good podcast guest and and do my research and do my homework. You're and rubbing you know, it in like now. Write some, <laughs> maybe write some jokes or something, you know. And then I read the description. I was like, not only did that none of that happen in this episode, the song "Darlin' Darlin" is not even in this episode. And I messaged no! I messaged Chan. I was just like, hey, is this a thing? Is this going to be a problem? He was like, yeah, I was disappointed too, but we all watched it, so fuck it. I'm like, you know what? That's how I feel. That's how I feel about this entire. <laughs> show like i was like oh, am i gonna have to watch a second episode am i gonna have to watch a second episode for this podcast and then chan was like i literally said out loud to my girlfriend i was like oh good i don't have to watch another one That's how I feel. oh my god i was like sweet oh chan chan's on my side he was like well we all watch the same we're episode almost- so that's what we're gonna talk about we all watch the same one which isn't guaranteed when we do this show either yeah uh just so you know Indeed, in that uh, um, the uh, the uh, knowing is half the podcast chat, there is an extensive back and forth uh, <laughs> about why Gina loved this. Ray hated it. My <laughs> sole contribution after after I don't know how long this went on was, yeah. oh man, this whole uh, the whole app should just be a dramatic reading of this convo, and I may I may screenshot it and post it because it gets. Uh, there are some cutting remarks in here. My goodness. <laughs> I 
think I think oh, the yeah. listeners will be on my side in this. Oh Lord! Well, they're never on my side, so that's fine. I, if you if you do that, if you do that, the only thing I can uh, respectfully request is that you call up a, our good friend Amanda Barnes. You get her uh, her sketch partner, whose name I cannot remember right now, and I'm going to hate myself for it. I think it's uh, uh, Tessa or something. I don't, I don't know. Don't hold me to that. But they they part of their running sketches when they were doing their Second City show that Matt Craig directed was uh, doing dramatic readings of shows that you would not imagine. Uh, and they did one for Swamp People, the reality television show. <laughs> it may be one of the funniest things. It may be one of the funniest things ever. Like I I could not breathe. I was laughing so fucking hard because it was just like, ooh, this one, he's a he's a tree shaker, a tree shaker, a tree breaker. And then they do they lick their fingers and then turn the page and that's it. I'm on the floor. So if you're going to do that, if you're going to if you're gonna do a dramatic reading of that between between Gina and Ray, boy, do I have the, the comedy duo for you. They are they are ready. They are ready for this and they will nail it. <laughs> Done and done. Well, yeah, guys, as also I'm a huge fan of professional wrestling. I gotta put those people over. You know, gotta put them over, go. brother. You gotta put them <laughs> over. You gotta you gotta do the job. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, that's basically our time, guys. So uh, uh, we actually got a full hour talking about Groovy Ghoulies and how great it was. Amazing, <laughs> amazing yeah. show. Hi, uh, guys. I'm turned around. This is the greatest show in the history. Yes. No, it is not. This is this is mostly upsetting. And I think the person who suggested it, you said Brian Rapp suggested this one. Brian, you know how to get to us. You have the magic touch, and you've done it once again. This was a show I'd never heard of uh, before today. And and whew, here we are. Uh, Brian, thank you so much for doing the show. Tell I'm the people at home. Out- yeah. Yeah, I'm not just I'm trying to figure out if Brian Rapp knows that I hate puns and that's why he chose this just to like to attack me personally. He does his research. He does his research. Um well, I say uh, tell the people at home kind Fair. of uh, uh, where they can find you in your social media uh, that you keep up and also kind of what uh, what you've got going on as far as projects you're working on that you're allowed to talk about. Uh ex Excellent. Yeah. So uh, with the stuff I'm allowed to talk about, um, uh, but the website is it's B O C I T S B O C.com. That's where you can find all of my stuff. Uh, you know, you know, the films I make and the, the YouTube channel and all that, but also, uh, the Twitter and the Facebook and Instagram, Instagram, uh, unfortunately, because I am old is mostly just, uh, pictures of the food that I make in the morning. Uh, Twitter yeah. is where I go for most. <laughs> Twitter is where I go to yell about politics. Facebook is like, ah, I just try and stay away from that altogether now. Uh, but that's my stuff. And then for right now, uh, I'm, I'm working on a couple of things. But uh, the the nice thing about I'm very, very lucky and very blessed to be able to uh, have a job and a job that is able to continue uh, remotely and being quarantined and socially remotely, uh, so, you know, socially responsible. So I'm very blessed and grateful for that. Uh, but when I'm able to take a little time for myself uh, coming up in about a month or so, I am finally breaking down and uh, living my uh, my my childhood dream. Is I I am a huge fan of uh, Weird Al Yankovic and I have been since I was five years old. And I'm going to record my first uh, my first parody album this year. So that's uh, it's a, oh, a two part awesome. as well. So oh yeah, that's what I'm doing. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I have. Funny. It's going to be sixteen. I have sixteen songs. I have. I have twelve of them written already, and uh, we're ready to go. That's what we do. That's amazing. Hell yeah! And then That's... you'll follow that up with the IO. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, thank you. 
Is that going to Yeah. Uh, no. I, I will say it was it was it was a thin hair. Like I literally was in I was walking in the pack theater on stage to make sure that it sounded good in speakers because uh, <laughs> as my old as I'm being a musician, you know when you record uh, when you before you put out an album, you make sure it sounds good on someone's home stereo system. You make sure it sounds good on a cassette tape in someone's uh, tape deck in their car. You want to make sure it sounds good everywhere. And I was doing quality control when I got the message from my mom, who was like, "This isn't you. This is not like you. You're not this person. I you can't release this." And I was like. It's literally the only person on the planet because I was ready. They say, uh, you know, <laughs> they say strange, uh, you know, they say Harold teams make for strange bedfellows. You can't name a black person outside of Tim Motos. I was ready. I had all of it. <laughs> I, got bars. I, got- <laughs> I got bars, Chan. Oh, I got bars. Someday. It was someday. ready. Yeah. <laughs> we got to put this rap battle together. Clearly, this is this is a need that the people did not know they needed until this moment. At the very last night, at the uh, the the last night uh, party uh, at iOS, I let Kevin McShane read the lyrics off of my phone, and he laughed so hard he kicked the wall in. <laughs> so it worked. <laughs> it was good quality. Oh my goodness! Well, thank you so much for being yeah. a part of the show and and doing this nonsense with us, uh, uh, Chan. Thank uh, you. Well, what do you thank guys? You, you have another wrestling podcast you'd like to plug because it's a big deal, and you've just changed formats. Holy crap! Yep. As of uh, uh, I don't know how many weeks uh, <laughs> when this drops, but uh, yeah, um, Vince finally broke me. Uh, we stopped doing the uh, Raw recap podcast. We're doing AE Double Back every every week, dropping Thursday morning for you. Uh, I love you. Thank you. I. It's been too long. It's been too long, and I've ignored too much. But um, yeah, that's delightful. And uh, Gina, you wrote a comic book. Uh, I don't know if you, you any Did TV I? stuff you're allowed to talk about, but maybe you could talk about Babe Squad, that great Sex in the City meets Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles mashup that you and your writing partner Haley Mancini wrote together. Yeah, you can yeah. you can find it on Amazon, Target.com, BarnesandNoble.com, pretty much anywhere online that sells books. You can probably just hit me up on Twitter and I'll probably just buy it for you. So, oh. I mean, let's keep it real. That's that's what we do. Oh. We pr- provide. Thank you for reminding me that I do not have a copy of Babe Squad and I'm oh, going to do that well, right Ray now. Thank will, you. Ray will buy just you one. sold another copy. See, <laughs> that's why we do the plugs. Order through Skylight <laughs> Books, I'll, y'all. I'll buy my own. there it is Uh, okay and you can listen to me on the uh, who would win show if you'd like to there are some uh, very exciting episodes coming up uh, where we debate uh, superhero fights to the death not to the death that's a lie I'm already lying about my own show Uh, uh, who would win in a fictional battle between two characters from the worlds of comics sci-fi and uh, movies how exciting good stuff there check it out the who would win show.com or just who would win show.com if I actually care about getting it right and uh, otherwise you can hit up our social media you can hit us up at patreon.com slash knowing is half the podcast get access to our patreon vault where we have almost 400 episodes of this show oh holy crap that's a lot including a lot of stuff that never saw the main feed and a lot of stuff that was on the main feed but now is off the main feed because we streamlined it for G.I. Joe with a little bit of side stuff thrown in here and there plus you have all of the find your fate G.I. Joe choose your own adventure style novels those are actually those are all in the main feed as well but my point is this is a thing you want to get for five bucks and you can uh, new episodes going in all all the time sort of maybe once a month we do i'm really screwing this up so let's go to (laughs) facebook.com slash knowing it's half the podcast where you can check out uh, people who like the show and talk about gi joe also we're on twitter 
First off, you can go to at, as mentioned earlier in the show, at Prez Serpentor with a Z. Uh, in an alternate 2016, uh, Serpentor the Cobra Emperor became president of the United States in a surprise election result. And wouldn't you know it, his alternate reality closely mirrors our world of today. Also, you can hit us up at G.I. Joe Podcast to talk about all the pods. Individually, you can hit me up. I'm at Almighty Ray. I'm at 999 RPMs. I'm at Gina Ippy. And this has been a show. Brian, thank you so much again for doing the show. I can't believe we've been doing this now for like 172 years of this podcast. And this is the first time you've been on the show. So thank you for being a part of it. We appreciate it. Oh, you didn't think I didn't catch that number? I was like, oh, really? Almost 400. And there I am. First time. <laughs> Uh, we can we can go back and check the logs you have you were requested many many moons ago yeah 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 oh that's that is nice to it's always feels nice to be uh to to be wanted and anyone who wants to hear me talk about anything i'm 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 always very humbled and flattered i'm obviously big fans of of all you guys but anytime anyone invites you onto one of these things i feel like you know that's where i come from when someone invites you into your home that that is a great honor and you should you should treat it uh that way so thank you very much for that and Respect. unfortunately, we did the honor of inviting you into our homes and made you watch Groovy Ghoulies. The great honor. You shut your mouth. <laughs> you, 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 when you sit down to the dinner table at someone's house, you eat what they put in front of you. <laughs> uh, also, a, uh, I will shout out the team's name. Amanda Barnes, Alex, uh, Lexi Notabartolo, Velvet Pile is the team you that's what about. it is thank you thank you i'm sorry lexi for calling you tessa i probably confuse you with niles and tess one of my other favorite all-female duo sketch <laughs> comedians and that's basically all we got this week so you guys check out all the things go to the links buy the things and we'll see y'all next week for potentially more gi joe good night everybody, everybody Pope, the host of Breakfast with Brent Pope. You've seen me on some of your favorite TV shows saying things like, give it up, Jimmy, you gotta sink this putt to win. Or, I wouldn't jump up and down until we stabilize the hydraulics. On Breakfast with Brent Pope, I sit down with guests from the entertainment world, working actors, comedians, writers, stunt people, you get it, and we do it all over breakfast, or should I say, breakfast. Every week is a new episode of Breakfast, and here's what you get. Inside Hollywood info, like, how cool is it to act with Ed O'Neill? Spoiler alert, it's really cool. And what the heck is a gaffer? You get great breakfast wrecks and foodie debates like, when should you go hash browns and when do you go home fries? I know the answer to that. Trust me, my pancake posse, my bacon brigade. Listen up, because breakfast is the most delightful 30 minutes of your week. So dig in, it's breakfast time. Breakfast with Brent Pope, available at breakfast.com, Apple Podcasts, or wherever fine podcasts are found. 